already at the good part. You might as well give God praise. Has he done anything for you? ago and I told them I can tell how long they want me to preach by the size of the water bottle they give me and every service the bottle kept getting bigger the last night, this is no lie they had a hose from the pulpit all the way to the baptismal tank <coughs> so we did make the agreement that uh, I'm just going to preach so that takes, takes away something I was going to say I, I usually say I'm going to be like Elizabeth Taylor to her seven husbands. I'm not going to hold you long, but, but I can't. Aren't you glad I didn't say that? Amen. Hadn't this been a great old-fashioned Pentecostal meeting? People giving the Holy Ghost, devils being driven out, young people being challenged. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Bradford for the invitation and to Brother Bradford for the invitation. For whatever it's worth, coming from Sister McDonald and I, we are behind what you and your wife are about to do. And we were behind it the moment we heard it. <laughs> and again, I know who I am. I dwell among my own people. And, and so I'm not saying this for any other reason than I, I do believe it. When I was here two years ago, I can see the difference in you already. Leadership rises to the top. Hallelujah. And I believe great things are going to happen in Mexico. There is going to be a great apostolic revival in that portion of Mexico. Young people, these are, these are the people you ought to be looking to as examples and goals of what you can achieve. Amen. And I want to give honor to everybody in the respected places. Um, th this is, I'm not leaving Acts 2.38 saying what a meeting. I'm leaving Acts 2.38 saying what a mighty God we serve. This has been wonderful. This has been wonderful. Amen. Brother Phillips, Thank you for preaching to us. I appreciate word preachers. I'm tired of fluff. I, I'm, I'm thankful for a preacher who says something. Amen. You know, there's some, some preachers, you know what they preach? It's like grandma's old sack skirt. It covers everything and touches nothing. I appreciate some preaching with teeth. Amen. I appreciate a word preacher. Amen. And you're not going to beat the preaching that you've heard from Brother Phillips. You might be able to bring it to a tie, but, but you're not going to beat it. And thank you. Thank you for praying for my son. You guys didn't see it. I was praying for my son I've, that God would fill him with the Holy Ghost. And someone fell at uh, between my feet and my son's feet, and I didn't know who it was, and I could hear him weeping and travailing. Thought, I don't know who's praying for my son, but I appreciate it. And when he got up, it was the evangelist. And I want him to know I appreciate that. You didn't see that, but I saw that. Amen. And two people, 
two I want to give honor to everybody in their respected places, but uh, especially, especially two people. One of my very best friends is here, a fellow Michigander, evangelist Matthew Kreider. I love him and his wife. They've been faithful friends. Amen. Somebody I can ride the storm with. Hallelujah. I've known him for a long time. We're raised in the same neck of the woods. And I'm glad that he's here. And I want to give double honor to Bishop Wilson. Bishop Wilson, Julie and I love you so much. Thank you for investing in us. Amen. Amen. So, amen. When, when Bishop Wilson's here and I have to preach, I, I, I'm nervous and I wear my suits out from the inside out. There, from the inside out. This thing just keeps coming and coming. All right. It's 1126. Let's get into the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Amen. If you're having trouble finding 1 Samuel, it's located uniquely right before 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. Verse 1, the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Verse 4, Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Every sacrifice demands sanctification. And come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. It came to pass when they were come. That he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. Now that doesn't mean you can just do away with the outward. Okay? It is true, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Jesse said, let's try another son, Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Let's try another son, Shammah. The prophet said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen any of these seven. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Do you have any other children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come thither. He sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and with all a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. God said, Anoint him. This is the one. Okay? Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I don't want to get into this, but 
the next verse, it almost seems like it's simultaneous. As the Spirit of the Lord departs from Saul, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David. Just one more verse, okay? I'll be standing longer than you. The book of Acts, chapter 13, verse... Oh, there's so much in here. Verse, verse 33. Well, let, let's just go to verse 22. Listen to what God said. I have found David. That's shouting ground right there. God said this. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. I found one that's going to fulfill all my will. Okay? I want to preach this morning. God chooses from the back of the line. Set your Bibles down and let's worship the Lord one more time. What a great spirit of God we feel in this place. I'm just looking, wondering who's at the back of the line. God chooses from the back of the line. Amen. You may be seated. I recognize that I may be preaching to a small demographic of young people in this last day service of 238. So my target is small, it's limited, and maybe it will not affect everyone. And whether it's real or imagined, I want to reach for those who feel overlooked, passed over, or forgotten. Amen. I'm preaching to the one when the water is troubled, somebody beat you to it. I'm preaching to someone that is right within the grasp of getting a hold of direction from God and a destiny, but it seems like it's just out of reach. And you're trying to find the will of God, and you don't understand what God is doing. I tell the church at home, when you cannot trace God, you trust God. And if you cannot find what God is saying, you always do what God had said. You be faithful to what God told you. Why should God give you a new word if you haven't done what the previous word said? Just be faithful to the old word and God will give you a new word. And if you feel like you've been put on hold, don't hang up. Just hold on. I thank God for this meeting. I thank God that my three sons and my daughter can be in a meeting like this. And other young people from our side of the vineyard can be in a meeting like this. Meetings like this are vital. Meetings like this are important. God commanded Israel three times to make a pilgrimage to a special worship meeting. So I think there's power in the pilgrimage. You have not wasted your time coming to Bakersfield to 238. 
Well, praise God. Meetings like this are vital for young people because in meetings like this, this is how they preached to me when I went to camp meetings. God can give our young people a burden. God can give our young people a gifting. God can give our young people a ministry. God can give our young people a fresh word. And in meetings like this, young people can make dedications and consecrations to the Lord. Well, praise God. Well, I tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. And like Ezekiel, I sat where you sat. And I remember what it's like to see God passing out gifts to other people. And seemingly I was being passed by. And other people were ascending. And it seemed like I was stuck in a rut. And we can come to meetings like this and look around. And we can become intimidated thinking God can't do for me what he's done for somebody else. And God can't bless me like he's blessed somebody else. So I really, you can leave here thinking there's no place for me in the kingdom. Hallelujah. But that's not the kind of faith and expectation that we need to have today. Come on, I want to hammer something out. Because I remember what it's like to have faith rise and swell in my spirit on Friday and then have life and family and friends knock it out of me by Monday. And with that mindset, we can succumb to sentiments that were never going to amount to anything in God. And instead of going against the grain, we'll settle for the average and we'll settle for the mediocre. I'm serving hell notice. I'm not settling for the average because I don't serve an average God I'm not settling for the mediocre because I don't serve a mediocre God come on young people there's something to reach for there's something to stretch for there's something to attain So if God will help me in my last message for 238, I'm going to preach to you young people. Do not be intimidated. Do not be discouraged by these things. I don't want you to believe the lie of the devil. God chooses from the back of the line. God chooses from the back of the line. Hallelujah. You know what he was doing? Amen. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, and he's going to do it tonight. He's choosing young people, calling young people, anointing young So I don't believe that. I hope you will by the time I'm done preaching. You're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of right now. You're not the church of next year. You're the church of right now. There, there's a work to do right now. There's a call of God to fulfill right now. I wish I had about 50 young people that said, I'm not going to stand for the status quo. I'm not going home the same. I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my church. I'm going to change my city. Okay, 
Okay, just sit down. It, it, it's really not that good, but it, it'll get good. God told the prophet, thank God for prophets. He told the prophet, go to Bethlehem. Go to the house of Jesse. And through me, you find the suitable anointed replacement for Saul. Jesse made all of his seven sons pass before the prophet. When Samuel got to the oldest, probably Eliab resembled Saul in some ways. Strong, tall, handsome, probably looks a lot like me. <laughs> and so he just... The prophet just kind of defaults to what's always been. And he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But Samuel was looking at somebody who God refused. Eliab had a heart problem. See, when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us wearing designer clothes. He doesn't look at how many followings you have on social media. He doesn't look at what your name is. You know what, young people? I think we just need to be open and transparent before God. We just need to be open and get rid of everything that's plastic and everything that's fake. If we start preaching... A about getting rid of things that are fake. You're going to have to get rid of your hair and your nails and your purses. It's time to get real before God. This is, this is who I am. But this isn't where I want to stay. I want to be used by God. I want to do something for God. Wait, wait. And we wrestle through some things. And in the darkness, we get a hold of something. Hallelujah. And we're wrestling through, amen, we're wrestling through feelings. And we're wrestling through our past. Amen. And we're wrestling through ambitious feelings that, want to, that we want to do something for God. And at night, Jacob was left alone. You know, you can be alone, but that doesn't mean you're lonely. One of the greatest blessings God can give you, young people, is being alone. But just because I'm alone doesn't mean I'm lonely. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I need a man. You need God. I need a woman. You need God. That's what you need. You need him. So Jacob's wrestling, Jacob's wrestling, and the angel asks him, what's your name? Why are you asking me what my name is? You, well, you want a blessing, right? Yeah. Well, tell me what your name is. Why do I have to tell you what my name is? Because the last time you tried to get a blessing, you came under the guise of somebody else. You came as one person portraying to be another. And then you 
were a corner cutter and you were a shyster and you weren't coming clean. But if you're going to get the blessing that you want, I wish I had some Pentecostals to help me preach. You're going to have to tell me who you are. The last time you told me you were Esau, who are you? Okay, I'll come clean. I'm Jacob. This is who I am. And God said, I'm going to bless you. Come on, young people. Hey, man, that's what this meeting's about. Being real. Being transparent. Being open. God's choosing. God's choosing. He's choosing from the back of the line. problem Eliab and God performs heart bypass on the seven sons of Jesse because it's easy to confuse popularity with anointing God said none of the seven I found the man after my heart Oh, you know, this is interesting. The Bible says Saul loved David. The Bible says Jonathan loved David. The Bible says Michael loved David. And it says Israel loved David. And it said Judah loved David. But the Bible never comes out in the narrative of David's story. It never comes out and says David loved Saul. David loved Jonathan. David loved Israel. David loved Michael. It's implicit, but it's not explicit. The only explicit place in the Bible that says David loved anybody is David loved God. That's the, the king I'm looking for. That's the person I'm looking to anoint. Everybody else may love him. Hallelujah. But I want him to love me more than he loves anybody else. Well, praise God. Some of you haven't caught it yet. Hallelujah. Of all the sins that David committed, and they were many, there was one that's never laid at the feet. Amen. Laid at the charge of David. He was not an idolater. He never committed adultery because he had a love for God. He had a passion for God. He was in pursuit of God. Are there any young people in Bakersfield that say, I love this man from Galilee? I love him more than popularity. I love him more than things of the world. I love him more than my family. So Samuel comes through the seven sons, knowing each one was not anointed after the Lord told him. It's interesting to me. The first glimpse we get of David in the scripture is not a glimpse of his presence. It's a glimpse of his absence. The prophet said, it's like the prophet knows Jesse's not obeying him. Are all your sons here? Because we're missing something in this lineup. Oh, man, this is so good. This is so good. You sure you don't have any others? Jesse kind of covers his hand and mumbles. Yeah, we got a red-haired, bushy-haired, freckled-faced kid out in the pasture. And 
you're, you're really not interested in him. He's just taking care of the sheep. I got a couple questions here. Why did Jesse disobey the prophet? He was told to call all of his sons to the sacrifice. Number two, why didn't he invite David to the sacrifice? The most important man in all of Israel has showed up on the family farm and one of the sons is not invited. So it's evident David doesn't have a good relationship with his father. He doesn't have a good relationship with his brothers. He said, I'm a stranger unto them. I'm an alien to my mother's children. He's hated by his brethren. Hallelujah. And he's going to have a greater son who's going to be despised and hated by his brethren too. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what this was doing? All of this hatred was setting David up for future leadership. Uh, we got one. He's in the pasture somewhere. And the prophet said, get him. Go get him. If I got to get to the back of the line to get them, get them. God said, I found them. You're trying to hide them. You're trying to keep. You're trying to keep them in obscurity. But God said, I saw them in the sheepfold. I saw them in the back of nowhere. When he's writing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God didn't choose from the front of the line. God chose from the back of the line. It's going to prepare him for future leadership. David overcomes his brothers, which helps him overcome Goliath, which helps him overcome Saul. And David, as a young boy, not even old enough to be counted in Israel's army, exercises greater leadership ability than Saul, for he knows what battles to engage in and what battles to step back and let God fight. David fought Goliath. Saul fought David. David wouldn't fight Saul. And Saul wouldn't fight Goliath. I mean, that's incredible about David. It's like Moses. When the Amalekites show up, Moses doesn't have to pray. He says, come on, guys. Get out on the battlefield and let's clean up the floor. Let's slaughter the enemy. But when it comes to how to deal with the people of God, Moses has got to pray. There's some battles you got to let God take care of, and then there's just some battles you impose yourself and say, I think I can take care of this because if God be for me. I didn't mean to wake y'all up at one time. Do you know where the Philistines are? Read it. The Bible says the Philistines are on Judah's real estate. Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, you may not be interested in that piece of ground, but that was given to my family by God. That piece of ground was given to my family by God. And if nobody else is going to fight for it, I'm going to fight for it. I don't know how you feel today, but I, I, I'm tired of being passive. I'm tired of being Mr. Nice Guy. If the devil has something that belongs to us, get on that battlefield and take it. That's my revival. That's my joy. That's my consecration. It belongs to me. 
devil, enough's enough. Give me back my stuff. God gave me that. God put me over that. It belongs to me. I think we ought to worship the Lord. Go after it. Go after it. Get it. Fight for it. Take it. I'm just looking for the back of the line. I'm looking at the back of the line. Just sit down. I, I get real nervous in front of crowds like this. I do. Jesse's not too keen of putting David in the front of the line because the kingdom never went to the eighth son. And according to the hierarchy of the monarchy, the firstborn son was supposed to be the heir. Seven is the perfect number. Eight is an afterthought, but eight in the Bible has kingdom implications attached to its significance. David is the runt. David is the youngest. He's not a part of the warring tribe of Benjamin. He's the most uh, despised by himself. He's not capable. He's estranged from his father and his mother's name's not even mentioned which is unusual for any of the kings in Israel but God chose the eighth child because God chooses from the back of the line. Yes he does. And leadership is going to despise him and be envious of him. He was in the back of the line and God put him in the front of the line. All of that hatred is just preparing David for what he's about to do. Kind of like Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was in the back of the line. He was hated by his brethren. He was despised by his brethren. And he lost his coat two times. The first time he lost his coat, it was stripped of him. He was thrown into a pit. Can you imagine being in the bottom of the pit and looking up and your brethren are camped around the pit looking down at you and they're eating lunch? And Joseph said, this was not part of my dream. In my dream, uh, they were supposed to be looking up at me, but now I'm the one looking up at them. And he lost his coat a second time when that floozy Potiphar tried to smooze him and put the moves on him. And when he ran, no Bible, no preacher, no Ten Commandments. He said, I can't sin against my master and I can't sin against God. You have the Holy Ghost. You have a good pastor. You've got the Bible. What's your excuse? his coat a second time. You ready for this? You're all over it, Reverend, uh, the first night. Every time Joseph loses his coat and something's stripped from him, God promotes him to another level. No, you didn't get it. The higher you climb the mountain, the less baggage you need. Quit mourning over Saul. Quit crying over spilled milk. If somebody left you, let them go. If somebody doesn't like you, they
That's their problem. God chooses from the back of the line. I'm called. I'm anointed. I'm sanctioned by God. The coat had to be stripped off of Joseph because it wasn't big enough for the plan that God had for him. The coat the father put on him, it was just vertical. But we got to get this off of you, Joseph, because your reach is going to be a long, extended reach. And the coat that you're wearing right now is not big enough. You're going to rule second head knocker in Egypt. Hallelujah. You're, you're going to be the one who spares Egypt a famine. You are the one that's going to be responsible for sparing the chosen promised line of God. If God sees fit to take it away from you, let God take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and let's just trust the plan of God. Just trust the plan of God. And it messes with my mind because my brethren are benefiting from my misfortune. That messes with my mind because Christian people aren't supposed to act like this. Apostolics aren't supposed to act like this. Pharaoh's going to treat me better than my brethren are right now. And he was sold, and he was cast into a pit, and, and then the, the uh, rather he, he was stripped, cast into a pit, sold to the Ishmaelites, wound up, uh, rise everywhere he went, he just kept rising to the top. Because you can't keep the anointing down. You can't keep the cold down. I'm probably, I'm probably dating myself here. I, I am the oldest one preaching this meeting. But when I was a kid, we had these little toys called weebles. And, and, and the saying was, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. And, the, and they were bottom heavy. No comments. Amen. And you would, try to, you would try to knock those little figures down. But because they had some substantiation about them, amen, you could, you could hold them down. But the moment your hand got off of them... You could pick those things up and chuck them across the living room. And they're always going to land feet first. You can't keep the God-called anointed down. I don't care how you preach about me. I don't care what you post about me on social media. God chooses from the back of the line. Rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy, for when I fall, not if I fall, when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, not if I sit in darkness, when the Lord shall be my light. Get up. Get up. Quit sucking your thumb. Quit crying in your root beer. Get up. Somebody's not praying for me and investing in me. I could give a hill of beans less what they think about me. Potiphar's house, lied on, thrown in prison, 
forgotten. Joseph said, I don't remember any of this in my dream. I'm supposed to be marching forward. But he backed into it. He backed into it from the pit. He backed into it from the Ishmaelites. He backed into it from Potiphar's wife. He backed into it from the dungeon all the way to being the second in command to Egypt. Young people, what does it matter if we walk forward into the will of God or if we just back into the will of God? He knows the way that I take. Sometimes I don't know where he is. There's been times I've doubted the presence of God, but I've never doubted the presence of stupid people. And sometimes I wonder where he is. And if I can't find the way that he takes, I rest in the fact he knows the way that I take. A good man's steps and a good man's stops are ordered of the Lord. I've been preaching seven minutes. Okay. Here, here, Brother Phillips, you quoted it. Bishop Frost read it. I called Abraham alone. That's what God said. It's in my notes. I turned to Brother Peyton. I said, he's preaching my sermon. Listen, young people, it's lonely at the top, so you better know why you're there. And if you're called of God, that's the only thing that you'll ever have to hold on to. You've got to know that you know that you know. Because when finances are gone, the call of God will still be there. And when the support from the brethren who are looking down at your demise, so to speak, when they're not there, you've got to know you're called of God. God said, I called Abraham alone, but I called him. Whoever, whoever makes you king can stop you from being king. So you better make sure your calling is sanctioned and governed and authorized by God. Sometimes I tell my wife, I say, Julie, if God doesn't know who we are and where we are by now, we're all in trouble. But I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lord, I'm with you always. He's there. He's working in the chaos. Sometimes, I, Bishop Wilson, like you told me, we got to embrace the chaos. Lean into the chaos. But it's in the chaos the word moves. It's in the chaos the spirit moves. Things start coming to <laughs> God's quest continued for the right man. An inconspicuous man. Nobody noticed. And somehow in David, the kingdom principle comes into play. The last shall be first. God didn't choose from the front of the line. God chose from the back of the line. Hallelujah. You may feel like you're in the back of the line. And, and patience isn't a virtue that I have. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting in airports. I'm tired of waiting uh, for my hotel voucher. I'm tired of waiting on my plane. I'm tired of being in the plane waiting for it to de-ice. And my wife has got the patience of Job. Listen, I made my wife a very good Christian. She's going to have a big crown in heaven, and I ought to get some of the glory for that because I helped her get it because she has to deal with me. 
and she's so kind and she's so patient. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm cranky. I'm, I'm tired. I, I've just got to get to where I've got to go, and I'm in the back of the line. You may feel like you're in the back of the line, but at least you're in line. sleeping on the floor. I'm headed somewhere. Because I got a ticket that said you can stay here tonight. You'll be safe here. You'll be secure here. Now maybe a while before I get there, but I'm in line. Don't get out of line. God chooses from the back of the line. the Bible says, the Bible says God walketh the circuit of heaven. Right? So if you feel like God left you off here, just stay in line. He that walks the circuit of heaven, if it's a circuit, that means he's coming back. Wait, my notes say you should be shouting over that one. Because you feel abandoned. You feel like he just dropped you off at Tupelo and left you for no good. No, he left you here and he expects you to wait. He's coming anytime. I expect him to show up anytime. I know it looks like I'm forsaken. Yes, yes, I'm embarrassed. Yes, it's hard to hold my head up, but he that walks the circuit of the earth. I know he's coming. I feel him at Acts 2.38. I feel him while I'm preaching. I feel him while I'm praying. He, God, chooses from the back of the line. But they that wait upon the Lord, just keep waiting. So if God blesses my neighbor, I rejoice. I rejoice. Peyton, if you get there a little faster than me, because I'm overweight, you don't have to say amen to that, okay? If, if God blesses you a little more than me, I'm happy. I'm rejoicing with my brother. That's right. If they ask you to preach the ladies' auxiliary meeting and they never ask me, believe me, I'm happy. Yeah. Because if God's blessing my neighbor, that means he's in the neighborhood. I grew up in the hood. <laughs> yeah, right. If God blesses my neighbor, that means he, my address is coming up. I'm looking down the road. I'm looking down the avenue. Could that, the king is coming. The king is coming. I found a man. I found a man. I found a man. God chooses from the back. Yeah. 
I'm for every one of you guys that testified. I pray God raises you up to do mighty things in the kingdom of God. If it's greater than me, to God be the glory. If it's faster than me, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. We're all in this thing together. My blessing's coming. My day's coming. My time's coming. There's no word shot before I preach, right? That means I just got to give it to everybody straight, no chaser. I know what it's like to be forgotten. So does Zechariah. Sit down for a minute, please. Remember Zechariah in the New Testament? Serving God faithfully. He's a priest. An old man married to an old woman. <laughs> He's at the back of the line. 20,000 priests divided into 24 courses. You ready for this? Because I, I factored this in my notes. My notes say when I tell you this, you're going to go crazy and, and run now. <laughs> See, I figure that stuff in. According to Chronicles, Zacharias belongs to Abijah which is the eighth. That's as good as it gets, really. Remember, eighth has kingdom implication. Eight means God's doing something new. He belongs to the eighth, and the priest minister for eight days. David was the eighth. Zacharias was the eighth. Seems like God's doing something for people who are at the back of the line. The lots fall on him. Out of 20,000 priests, God has his way with the lot. And God chooses Zechariah to do the highest honor. He's not a high priest, but that the priest can do. Walking into the holy place. And all he has with him are some coals from, from the altar outside of the holy place, from, from the from, from the altar, and he can't see, and he's in a dark place, and he knows somewhere in here that there's bread. There's a word for me in here somewhere. And that's how I feel sometimes. I'm groping in the darkness. I need a word from God. It, it's in here, and, I, and, and really, all, all this light does, it just kind of illuminates my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's okay, as long as I just keep walking. I know somewhere in here is the golden candlestick. And if I can get that thing lit up, that's the only light in this, in this compartment. And it'll shine light on God's word. But now I've got to stand before the altar of incense. And the angel of God comes into the, into the temple. Which other than the two and the most holy, this is the only place I know where an angel comes into the temple. And there's fear that grips Zacharias, because according to Jewish legend, the angel is standing in the place where God stands, but he's got a word from God for the old man. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You, 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 can, you can't possibly know what I'm going to say, because I wrote this book. Hang on. Hang on. Zacharias, fear not. By the way, your prayers have been heard. What prayers? You know that old woman you're married to? 
She's about to have a son. In his old age, he was still praying, God, the odds are against me. The probabilities are low. And from biological standpoint, it's impossible. But would you give me a son? And you know what Zechariah means? The Lord remembers. God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. It's just you're moving your way up the line. Thursday night, we were moving our way up the line. Wednesday night, moving our way up the line. Friday, Thursday, moving our way up the line. God remembers. God remembers. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. The prophet said, fetch him. Go get him. We're not sitting down till he gets here. They pastured 20 miles away, sometimes a day or more journey. And the prophet said, nobody's taking their seat until the back of the line shows up. And I understand he's the Hebrew shepherd who's the black sheep of the family. And he's at the end of the line. But the kingdom program is put on hold until the anointed shows up. Young people, what revival is waiting on you in your church? What call of God is waiting on you in your church? What relationship with God? God said, I'll put the whole plan on hold. camp years ago and it was brought to my attention that there were some people in the back that didn't like what I was preaching. Fancy that. My pastor said my job's not to make you happy. I just, I just kind of took that on myself. And this is why they were upset. They said McDonald's trying to railroad these young people. He's trying to call them into the ministry. He's trying to call them into a prayer life. He's trying to call them into being a missionary. He's trying to call them to be a soul winner. I don't call anybody. And I said, second of all, I read in the Bible, God raised up an eight-year-old boy to be a king in Israel, and there were no railroads. Listen, I grew up on Nathaniel Wilson's preaching. I grew up on Larry Booker's preaching. I grew up on Von Morton's preaching. I grew up on Johnny Godare's preaching. And you know when they preached, you know what they said? If you want it, get it. If you want to be productive, do it. If you want to be used by God, if you'll consecrate yourself, God will do it. Now that was for me 30 years ago. God hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed. God wants you. God wants to use you. God wants to anoint you. Even if he chooses from the back of the line. And the prophet will know if you're anointed. pastor will know you can't work out of submission to your pastor 
every leader has to have two spirits on them. It has to have the Holy Spirit, and it has to have the spirit of subjection or their leader on them. Right? If you guys went to Wilson University, you'd know this stuff. God said, Moses, I want you to, I'm putting my spirit on the 70 elders, and then I want you to put your spirit on them. Every leader has got two spirits on them. They got the Holy Ghost, and then they have to have the spirit of their pastor on them. And if you're not subjected to your pastor, you can't do squat. You can't do anything. The man of God will know, not him, not him, not him. We're just going to wait till he shows up. The prophet knew who the anointed of God was. Hey, hey young people, can I help you here? Because I know you want to do something for God. But that's, that doesn't mean you have to leave your church. need to have a eureka moment. All, all this stuff on YouTube and social media, all, all they're showing you is the best. If I put my stuff on there, you know what it would be? Three AC units out, 30 people left me, a leak in the office, frozen pipes in the bathroom. I've got the Midas touch, all right? Everything I touch turns to a muffler. That's reality. It's not always good. It's not always pleasant. Stay where you're at. Have revival where you're at. Help your pastor where you're at. Push where you're at. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys want to change the world and you won't even change your socks. Which, which I'm, I'm going to say something right here. What in the world are you young men doing coming to church without dress socks on? And don't tell me the high priest went barefoot into the tabernacle. You're not from the line of Aaron and this isn't the tabernacle. Wait a minute, wait, wait. Hey, young ladies, young ladies, if that guy can't afford a pair of dress socks, he can't take care of you. I don't see Bishop Wilson going to church without socks. I don't see Bishop Frost going to church without socks. That's a problem. You want to be used by God looking like Johnny Depp when you should look like Johnny Godare. God doesn't choose that mess. God chooses from the back of the line. We're not of the world. Where does this stuff come from? You're supposed to emulate your pastor. And if you're a lady, you're pastor's wife. If he tells you to get a haircut, get a haircut. If he tells you to put a tie on, put a tie on. If he tells you to clean the bathroom, clean the bathroom. I just want to be used. I just want to be anointed.
ugly ankles hanging out in church. You want to go to Africa, but you won't cross the street in your own hometown to teach a Bible study? Africa will eat you up. Honduras will eat you up. You need to be faithful and support your pastor. Why should anybody support you if you don't support the man of God? Why should anybody trust you if you don't show that you trust the man of God? If you're not a soul winner, you can't be an effective pastor. If you don't pray, you can't be an effective missionary. If you don't tithe, you have no place to work in the kingdom. I'm amazed. I'm amazed how excited people get the moment you put a mic in their hand. But when it's not their turn, their rear end's Velcroed to the pew. But boy, when they get up, they want everybody turning cartwheels. Five minutes, I'm done. No, no. You, no, you're supposed, okay, okay. I just, don't, I just don't think the pastor ought to be using her. That's your problem. You think. If you're in the pew, God didn't call you to pastor that church. If the pastor has enough confidence to put him up, I'm behind the pastor. And I don't care if it's Sister Bertha who's cross-eyed, buck-toothed, pigeon-toed, and knock-kneed, and she can't carry a tune in a bucket. I'm supporting the work of God. I'm supporting the kingdom. I'm supporting the pastor. Because when I get up there, I need you to help me. I need you to rally behind me. So I'm going to rally behind you. something else I like about David he never sat around the campfire saying boys you know God anointed me to be king never talked about it if you're called of God you don't have to promote yourself wait I'm sorry I'm sorry that I think this is funny you're a worldwide prophet and you got three people watching your Facebook You're a prophet to the nations. Yeah, you're non-profit. That's what you are. And if you're not submitted to a pastor, you'll never preach for me. And if you don't love apostolic truth, you'll never preach for me. And if you're not faithful in the few things, you'll never be ruler over many. God chooses from the back of the line. God hates pride. Pride turned a cherubim angel into a devil in one night. 
and you spell pride in the middle of it as an I, you just remember this. Yesterday's peacock can be tomorrow's feather duster. God hates pride. You better just stay humble and lonely before the Lord. Since I don't know your story, I have to tell you mine. And I don't mind telling you my story. I don't tell it very often. But in the book of Acts, there were a lot of people in the book of Acts, a lot of miracles, a lot of things that could happen. And there's only so much room that Luke could uh, utilize to write what was going on. Three times in the book of Acts, Paul tells his story, which means that lets me know he told it everywhere he went. Well, I have a story. I came from the back of the line. Has anybody, other than my good friend, Brother Kreider, has anybody... Is anybody here raised in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Well, then the rest of you need to be raised over again. You just don't go to the Upper Peninsula. You just don't go on a family trip and say, hey, we're in Ontonagon. That, that's a place, Ontonagon. I don't know why they named it that. Maybe they hit a guy up the, on the head with a hammer. They said, Where, where'd they hit you, Ontonagon? I don't know. <coughs> Brother Kreider's from Nagani on Lake Superior. I'm from Escanaba on Lake Michigan. You guys probably never even been there. There's so much snow where he's at, the dogs run on the roof. I'm not lying. They snow blow and shovel their roofs. <laughs> That's the truth. That's where I came from. The middle of nowhere. The zip code where I was raised is E-I-E-I-O. The district campground was eight hours away. There was no church hopping in the Upper Peninsula because you had to drive an hour and a half to get to the first one. You had no choice but to get right. Today, today, today you don't have to get right. You can just not like something and say, I'm moving halfway across the country. We, I wasn't raised like that. Oh, did I say something? Yeah, you had to submit and get right and let your wretched soul be worked over. You had no choice. I was a nobody from nowhere. You see where I'm at, but you don't see where I came from. I was 14 years old when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I went to church on a Sunday school bus. My mom and dad aren't in church. My four brothers aren't in church. Quit making fun of the Sunday school department. That Sunday school bus picked up the person who's preaching to you today. That's right. You never know who's in kid zone. You never know who's in children's church. It could be the next missionary. It could be the next evangelist. They come to church, they don't even have matching clothes. They haven't ate breakfast. Their hair's all bushied out. But God chooses from the back of the line. Not many noble, not many wise, but he chooses from the back. I remember we took a youth group picture in Escanaba. There was over 30 of us. Today, I think there's about three of us, including myself, living for God. 
The majority of them became lesbians and homosexuals, adulterers, drug addicts, thieves. Some are Pentecostal haters. One was murdered. One, we don't know how he died. One died of a heart attack. And here I am. How did you survive? All I know is God chose from the back of the line. They should be the ones preaching. They should be the ones in church. They had a mom and dad in church. I was at the back of the line. I graduated from public school and God kept me. And if you're in public school, God will keep you. If you're in Christian school, thank God. But if you're in public school, God will keep you just like he kept me. <laughs> so the night of my graduation, our, we were the Escanaba Eskimos. Go figure, right? And our colors are black and orange. And these people were putting all all these crazy things on top of their hat, you know, their motorboard. So I thought, okay, I'll be festive. I'll have a school spirit. Give me some orange letters. And in the biggest letters I could, I cut out Acts 238 and put it right there on top of my head. And you know what? It's still in my head. back of the line while all those others in the youth group are acting crazy and sowing their wild oats this is no lie listen I don't even like preaching like this and I'd almost should tell brother Hoffer not to play this on Holy Ghost Radio but if somebody doesn't like me he's got like 89 channels they can switch right now if they want to amen I, I'm not trying to brag on myself I'm just telling you amen God chose me from the back of the line every one of those Young people, amen, that were in my class, every one of them by the time of graduation, they backslid. But God kept me. God preserved me. God watched over me. And that's why I'm preaching to you today. It's not of anything good that I had done. God just chose from the back of the line. While they were sowing their wild oats, I, honest to God, I was in my room studying the oneness of God. I wanted to know why do we believe this? How do I explain Matthew 28 19 to the Trinitarians? I'm not just non Trinitarian, I'm anti Trinitarian. And I was taking on Jehovah's Witnesses and I was taking on the Mormons. I don't know how many battles I fought, won rather, but I know their doctrine better than they do. And I'll tell you what, it embedded this apostolic message so deep in me. Hallelujah. Amen. I love this truth. I love this message. Is there anybody here that loves this truth? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So, and when I got in church, I stayed in church. And young people, I, I am so sorry. My wife is going to give it to me for preaching so long. No, 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 don't tell me that. That's what she, don't tell him that. Don't encourage him. God, uh, oh, oh, young people, you, you hear these testimonies, these, these, and they're great. 
look where God brought me from. I was this, I was that. And, and, and you can be intimidated because I was raised in church and I never did this and never touched that. And, and I, I didn't have the morals of, of, of that and I didn't smoke this. And I, Listen, you don't need to be ashamed. You got a great testimony. I was raised in church and God kept me. Deliverance is a great testimony, but keeping is a great testimony too. He's able to keep. So, I'm seven years into this, and I, I feel a call to preach. And uh, I remember asking my pastor one time, I said, Pastor, do you think I'll graduate before the rapture happens? He said, no. I said, oh, you think it'll happen before that? He said, no, I don't think you'll graduate. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And, th and then he comes up to me. He comes up to me and says, Dan, what would you like to do? Well, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows me. Uh, and I, I don't know too many people other than the people Brother Kreider's dad brings into our faith conference. And he was bringing in the heavy guns, man. And I watched those preachers. I, I wanted to walk like them. I wanted to talk. I, I noticed preachers always had a silver pen in their pocket. Uh, and I got one. It didn't write, but I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a preacher. I'm going to have a pen just like them. And I'm, I'm going to do what they did. And I was, he said, hey, Dan, what do you want to do? I said, I, I, I feel like I would like to evangelize. He said, okay, we'll find out. if you're, He never said you're called to preach. He never told anybody I was called to preach. He said, if I find out you call one person to ask them to preach, I'll break your neck. I thought, well, this is over. <laughs> so for five years, I worked with my dad in a, in a gas station, changing tires and and, and pumping people's fuel. I was a gopher, go for this and go for that. And, and, and there was a call. We didn't have cell phones in those days. We had those big bag phones. Remember how big they were? You could, you could club a burglar over the head with them and kill them. Those things were so, so huge. And it cost you like $12.99 a minute just, just to call down the street. And, and I got a call. The secretary opened up the sliding glass door, and she called me Danny. Now, don't you call me Danny, but she called me Danny. She said, Danny, there, there's some preacher on the phone. I said, preacher? He said, yeah, you better. Hey, I took the phone. Hey, Brother McDonald, this is Brother So-and-so. I want you to preach my camp in September. I said, oh, I'm preaching. <laughs> I said, my pastor's going to kill me. He is going to, I'm done. Stick the fork in me. I am done. Amen. I said, okay. I said, this, this is what you do. I said, if, if you don't mind, would you call and get my pastor's permission? And, and, and tell him to deal with me softly. Pastor, this guy wants me to preach. And then I got another call. I got another call from Chicago. Hey, Amen. They wanted me to preach a revival. Man, I am ready. I got a pen. <laughs> and I got two sermons. I am ready to set this world on fire. And so I'm going down the interstate. And, and I'm heading to Chicago. And, and my vehicle, it dies. Oh, got no cell phones. I've got no, no wife to encourage me. I'm all by myself. Nobody else. Just, I'm, I'm sorry. That stuff just comes out every. I don't know how it gets there. I don't know how it gets there. <coughs> I'm sorry. Amen. And, and so the church, this church that I'm preaching a camp for, uh, there's a guy in the church that owns a huge car lot. And it just so happens my vehicle breaks down by his car lot. 
and, and so he, somehow he tows my vehicle to the dealership. He says, hey, Brother McDonald, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And, and here's a vehicle for you. How much is this going to cost to rent? He said, don't worry about it. Just go and have revival. It was a Friday through Sunday revival. I preached everything I knew, everything I didn't know, everything I was supposed to know. We had revival. quit revival's over he calls the parsonage brother mcdonald i got bad news and good news what do you want first give me the bad news your vehicle can't be fixed okay give me the good news he said i got a vehicle it's a van see in those days evangelists had vans they, they, what's so funny about that he said this was in 1999. He said, I, I said, well, what kind of vehicle it is? You know, I'm not making much money working with dad and probably not getting much money being an evangelist, trying to be an evangelist. And, and he said, oh, he said, he said, Brother McDonald, it's a 1996 Plymouth Grand Voyager Raleigh. How much is it going to cost? He said, you should see the wheels on these things. They shine. I mean, it, it's brand new. One person. How much is it going to cost? It's got electric windows. It's got, how much is it going to cost? He said, just come here. And we'll take care of it. I have no idea how we did it. My dad didn't have to co-sign the loan. I'm just a young guy. And, and, and somehow I got this vehicle. And I drove. I never had a vehicle this nice. I'm driving down back to the Upper Peninsula. Electric windows. They're going up and down. I got an electric seat. I never had anything like this. And I'm ready to preach. How did you do it? God chose from the back of the line. Now, now, I'm, I'm evangelizing. When I left home, I left home in September of 1999, and I evangelized full-time for six years. I never had to beg for a revival. I never had to call somebody out of the blue. Hallelujah. It's just God said, I found a man. I found a man, and I chose from the back of the line. So now, I'm almost done, really. So now I need a wife. I got the pen, I got the vehicle, now I need a wife. So I'd get to the place when I was evangelizing, this is before I knew Sister McDonald, I'd just get to the pulpit and I'd try my luck. I'd say, I want Sister McDonald to come up and sing, just seeing if somebody would take the bait. And she walked up to the platform and that's how I got her, hallelujah. Amen, hang on, the back of the line. Hallelujah. I pastored 10 years in Illinois, almost eight years in Indiana. Amen. This, this, I'm a youper from the Upper Peninsula. We're called youpers. Nobody knew me and I knew nobody. Amen. I preached in the majority of every state in the union. I preached in Canada. I've been to Honduras. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Brazil. I've done revivals. I've done camp meetings. I've done conferences. I have no idea how I got here. I don't even deserve to be doing any of this. All I can say is God chose from the back of the line. I don't deserve it. I shouldn't be here. But God chose from the back of the line. Let's stand. I'm sorry. I, how, did you, how did you do it? How, 
I, I don't know when I felt my call to preach. When I told the pastor I was called to preach, he gave me a plunger. And he said, here's the, here's the keys to the shed for the mower. Moses, how'd you get here? I just made myself available. I was on the backside of a desert. Esther, how'd you get here? I was an orphan. Elijah was a Tishbite. Tishbite means mountain man. He was a hillbilly or a redneck. Elisha, how'd you get here? I'm not looking at anybody. Elisha, how did you get here? I was between two plows, and I saw a mantle, and I was after it. I just made myself available. If you're looking for the eighth child, I'm it. If you're looking for someone who came from the back of the line, I'm it. I need 13. One. Start, start lining up. Two. I want a line from here, and it's going to snake to the back of the church. Okay? Two, three, four, five. Would you help me out? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And this guy right here with the 15-foot-tall voice. Man, you make me sound like Mickey Mouse. I wish I had your voice. You're number 13. You're going to be all the way. And I want you guys to start spacing as far. Four feet, five feet. Amen. Amen. My good brother here, he's going to go all the way to the back. I'm not an object preacher. In fact, that's what a lot of people say. What's the object of the preacher? I don't know. I just do it. Come on, go down this side. Amen. Just spread out. Spread out as far as you can. Okay. I wrote my notes here. Okay. 13 people in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra's preaching to them. Without a mic, without anything to amplify his voice, he's reading the word of God and sending a message to the people. And there's so many, God's got to make sure the same message that gets to you gets all the way back there. And there's 13 of them, okay? And, and so Ezra, that's what he does. He lines them up. And from the first to the last, he gives them a message. Now I'm going to give you a message. And I want you to give it to number two exactly like I gave it to you. And you give it to number three exactly like he gave it to you. And we're going to see if the message reaches the back of the line, okay? Okay, the message is? Okay. And the guy in the back of the line, his name is Palila. Palila, you weren't even invited to the minister's banquet. Palila, no one's paying attention to you. Palila, you're at the end of the line wondering when your time is going to come. You feel the call of God. You feel the anointing. You feel that surge of energy and excitement. Amen. You want to do great things and be productive for the kingdom of God. Amen. You're wondering when is this going to come. It seems like my brother always gets blessed before me. seems like my sister always gets blessed before me. And here I am. I'm just waiting, patiently waiting holding up the standard, holding up the message, doing what I can to be a blessing, but the message is finally going to come to the back of the line. Here it comes. Palila, hey, shout that message at me. Shout it again. Come on, go through this sanctuary yelling that. Come on. The message, it reached the back. 
from the back of the line. God chooses from the back of the line. God chooses from the back of the line. Don't get weary. God chooses from the back of the line. Everybody shout, God chooses. Johnny, is Carissa here? Is Carissa here? Where is she? Where is she? Come here, come here. I was preaching. Come here, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Come here. This is Johnny Walker's daughter. Don't hold that against her. She's a great girl. How old are you now? 15. I forgot what's your husband's name? Oh. When I was preaching, I walked over here and I saw this little blonde girl signing to these precious people on the front row. You know what she was doing? She was making sure they got the same message you got. The same message. She's 15, she's working in her home, a local assembly under her father, her pastor. She's not waiting until she graduates to be used by God. She's not waiting until she finishes college to be used by God. Not till she's married, has children, pays off her home. I'm available now. Thank you, hang on. And these people got the same message that you and I got. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder, I wonder in this place, and I am so sorry for going so long. Forgive me. Hallelujah. But there is a call to the back of the line. If you feel, amen, that anything in this message resonated with you, you've got to get as close to this altar as you can because we're going to make room for everybody at the front, amen, that comes from the back of the line. Hallelujah. God wants to anoint. I found a man. I found him. Oh, and God's looking for that young person. God's looking for that young man, that young lady that he can anoint. Is there anybody that'll lift their voice? Is there anybody that'll lift their voice? God's choosing. God's choosing. Yeah. 